today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. It's an outward show, selfishly, and not an inward commitment, selflessly. Jesus says, you, you want to fast? Okay, don't let anybody know you're going to fast. First of all, that's the first thing, because as soon as you say, I'm fasting, oh, you kind of blew it. <laughs> because why would you want people to know you're fasting? Because you want them to think you're really spiritual. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. What comes to mind when you hear the word fasting? Fasting can be such an amazing way to focus your energy on God and what He has for you. But so often we use fasting in incorrect ways that hinder us from God. Today in his message, Pastor J.D. encourages us to fast in a godly way that will draw us closer to him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Isaiah chapter 58 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We're in this amazing book of Isaiah, actually nearing the end, just one chapter, chapter 58. Why don't we begin with a word of prayer, and we'll ask God to bless our time together in His Word, if you would please join with me. (sighs) Loving Father in heaven, thank you so much. Lord, it's with a great anticipation that we look forward to what it is that you have for us. We want you to be magnified. We want the name of Jesus to be lifted up, the name above all names. And Lord, thank you that you lift up the weary. Thank you that you're close to the brokenhearted. Thank you that in the power of the Holy Spirit, you strengthen and encourage our hearts. Thank you that your word has that much needed effect on our lives as well. Lord, really, that's why we're here. We're here because we're hungry and thirsty for you, knowing that only you can satiate that hunger and that thirst that we have. I know many are desperate to hear a word fitly spoken, as only you can in that still small voice of the Holy Spirit, as you do speak. So Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, so here in this chapter, God has the prophet Isaiah turn a corner of sorts, and he does so in order that he might deal with a very serious problem. This was a serious problem in Isaiah's day. It's also a serious problem in our day as well, and it's that of praying and especially fasting being to no avail, which can oftentimes be misinterpreted as God not caring or hearing the prayers of His people, and such was the case with the people here in Isaiah's day. As we're about to see, God, as only He can through the prophet Isaiah, We'll explain why it is that prayers and fasting remain unnoticed, unanswered, 
and perhaps more importantly, what to do about it. So you ready? Let's jump in. Verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God, they ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. In other words, that's what they're known for outwardly, but that's the problem, (laughs) because it doesn't comport with what's going on in their hearts inwardly. They have this outward appearance of seeking the Lord and being known as those who seek after righteousness and don't forsake the ordinances of God. This is how they were seen. And so Isaiah is told to cry aloud and lift up his voice like a trumpet. Sometimes there has to be a loudness <laughs> when we we have to hear the voice and heed the voice of God. What was it that Isaiah was to lift up his voice and cry aloud and say to his people? Oh, he's to say to them, why are you seeking the Lord in vain? Oh, you're, you're putting on a good show. I mean, everybody's seeing you. Oh, look at them. They're fasting. Look at them. They're praying. Look at them. They're seeking the Lord. Oh, if you only knew. Verse 3, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? Oh, so it's God's fault. In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. That's a problem. Indeed, verse 4, you fast, this is interesting, for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Wow. Well, here we've got a pretty uh, graphic picture of why it is that God would not take notice of their fast, why God was not pleased with their fast, why God would not hear their prayers. Simply put, they were being disingenuous at best and dishonest at worst. And isn't this interesting that they were fasting in order that they might win an argument in their striving and debating? And I mean even worse than that, they were fasting while at the same time they were striking with the fist of wickedness. This is how they were, we're going to talk about this in a moment, they were treating others. 
And yet outwardly, you look so spiritual and you're fasting and seeking the Lord. But this is what's done behind the scenes. Oh, you don't think God takes notice of that? How do you treat people when nobody's looking? (laughs) Well, God's always looking. God sees everything. Is it a fast, verse 5, that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen, verse 6, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. In other words, God starts off by telling them, this is what you don't do, and instead this is what you do do. (laughs) That totally came out wrong, but I think you get the point. I mean, what good is a sign in town that says, this is not the way to Kaneohe. Well, thank you very much. That's so helpful to me. This is not the way? Where is the way? What is the way? And this is essentially what God is saying. This is not the way to fast. This is the way to fast. This is what I love about God's Word. God will never say, don't do this, without also saying and packaging with it, do this instead. This is not the way to fast. This is the way to fast. I think about what the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit wrote to the Corinthian church. That's not love. You think you're being so loving? Oh, and accepting, and you're even boasting about it. Oh, we accept everybody. Just come as you are, and no problem. We're just going to love you, because we're a loving church. We accept everybody. Even guys that are having sex with their stepmoms, because we're a loving people. And the Apostle Paul, with all of its, his strength and the strength of the Holy Spirit, says to them, that's not love. That's not what love is. This is what love is. And we affectionately refer to it as the famous love chapter. It's the chapter, the number one request whenever I do a wedding. I'm asked to read, you know, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And i got to confess, sometimes it's really hard for me because I, I want to sit down with a couple and say, do you realize what this chapter, it, it's a rebuke. This is, okay, if you want to be rebuked at your wedding with all of the family that, that's going to be in attendance, that's fine. We'll, we'll rebuke, because that's what that was. And this is what Isaiah is doing. He said, that is not fasting. You think it is, it's not. This is what fasting is. Well, okay, <laughs> what is fasting? Oh, the fast that I have chosen is to loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. 
The implication being that they were doing all of the above, and yet they were fasting. And it's almost like, and you'll forgive the crass way in which I say this, but it's almost like God saying, are you kidding me right now? You're fasting while at the same time you're doing all of this? Oh, why? Why are you fasting? Stop doing that and start doing this. <laughs> it's reminiscent of when Jesus very harshly, and I, I don't think we should be surprised, the harshest words to ever come from the mouth of the Savior were reserved for the religious leaders of that day. And he rebukes them and says to them, your fasting is an affront to me, because you do it to be seen by men. You're fasting, and you, you don't shower. That alone is a problem. And you don't do your hair, if you have hair left. That's less of a problem for me these days. And you, you know, you tear your clothes and you put sackcloth and ashes on and you, oh, I'm fasting. Whoa, I'm not worthy. You hypocrites. And when you pray, you, you pray on the street corner to be seen by men. So the, the misrepresentation is, is that you want to appear more spiritual than you really are. And like God is going to hear that? No. See, it's an outward show, selfishly, and not an inward commitment, selflessly. Jesus says, you, you want to fast? Okay, don't let anybody know you're going to fast. First of all, that's the first thing, because as soon as you say, I'm fasting, oh, you kind of blew it. <laughs> Because why would you want people to know you're fasting? Because you want them to think you're really spiritual? No, don't tell people. Don't make a big show of it. I see it. But if you're going to make a big show of it, I won't see it. So comb your hair and take a shower for the love of God. Take a shower, please. <laughs> and, and, and dress nicely. And then fast and I'll take notice of it. But you've got an issue here with, as we're going to see next, how you treat other people. Apparently they were laying quite a heavy yoke on people. They were oppressing people. They were putting undue burdens on people. And they were actually, I mean, we just read it, the fist, fist of wickedness, that's quite an image. And now it's the bonds of wickedness. Verse 7, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Again, that's not what fasting is. This is what fasting is. Sharing your bread with the hungry. And that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him. And not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then, verse 8, your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. 
what is so striking to me is the contrast here. I mean, this is the fast that is acceptable to the Lord. This is the fasting and praying that avails much. When there's no hypocrisy, when there's a sincerity, and you're treating those who can do nothing for you in return, kindly, generously. That is the true mark of benevolence and love. And God takes notice of that. I'm thinking it's Matthew 7. It's really quite an indictment. And many a Bible commentator has struggled to really capture the intensity of what Jesus is saying. But he says, when you give a glass of water to the least of these, it's like giving a glass of water to me. God takes notice when we take care of those who can't take care of themselves. We talked about this last week. We're going to see it in James, Lord willing, when we're finished with Hebrews. But this is pure, undefiled religion. It's helping the widow and the fatherless and visiting those that are in prison. That gets God's attention. And isn't it true that this is what the Savior did when He was here in His public ministry on earth? In other words, the importance of how we treat other people has a profound impact on our praying and fasting. God takes notice with how it is that we treat others. What do we do when we see somebody in need? Do we say to them, like James says, be warm, be well fed? (laughs) Hey, we'll do lunch sometimes. Really? Hmm. And you wonder why God is not responding to you when you're not responding to them? Don't you know that when you respond to them, it's as if you're doing that as unto the Lord? When you, when you see somebody naked, you, you, you cover them up. When you see somebody that's hungry, you give them bread. When you see somebody that's downcast and cast out, you bring them in, show them hospitality. One more thing on this. I think about it from a, a parental aspect. Uh, stay with me, I'll try to be as brief and concise and clear as I possibly can. How do you feel when your kids fight with each other or mistreat each other? Does, does it not tear you apart? Does it not rip your heart to shreds? When my two boys were young, they used to fight all the time. And I used to pray and fast, by the way. I can tell you now, because that was a long time ago. (laughs) I did comb my hair. I had more hair to comb then. But I would pray and fast, God, please. I just, I love them so much, and they're just going at each other all the time. It's killing me. I can't take it. And it's almost like our Heavenly Father is saying, welcome to my world. How do you think I feel on an infinitely larger scale? You're just getting a taste 
of what I go through when I see my children at each other's throats. Is it any wonder? One more thing on this before we move on, and this is important. Please hear me out again. Is it any wonder that when the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, starts the grocery list, you know what I'm talking about? You know, where he starts listing all of the sins, and those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, and you know, put off the deeds of darkness, and then he'll list them. Or writing to the Galatians, he wrote up to the Corinthians, the Romans. I mean, virtually every single epistle, you got a grocery list from the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit. And in that list you have things like murder, sexual immorality, and then all of a sudden, it's almost at first read out of place, gossiping, slandering. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that gossiping and slandering rises to the level of being on the same list as murder? Yeah, in fact, Jesus said, Matthew 5, when you hate somebody, you're committing murder in your heart. You're assassinating them. I think of what he wrote to the Galatians. You better stop. You keep doing what you're doing. You keep devouring and gossiping and backbiting and fighting with each other. You're going to destroy each other. It's just a matter of time. You better stop. How we treat others. Have you ever connected those dots that your prayer life can be hindered by virtue of how you treat people? That's what Isaiah is saying here. That's the loud voice, like the sound of a trumpet. Verse 9, then, key word, hang on to it. We're going to come back to it. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, here I am, if, key word again, you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, look at this list, and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. Wow. Did you catch that? This is what I like to referred to as the if I then he of God's word. In other words, if I, number one, take away the yoke from my midst. Number two, stop pointing the finger of blame. You're blaming everybody but the one who's to blame, you. Stop doing that. If, 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 big if. Conditional, right? This is one of those conditional promises in God's Word. The Word of God is replete with them. God promises to answer and hearken unto the voice of our cry, if, if we do this, then He will respond. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D., 
If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah that the gospels mentioned throughout. It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you, to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah right here on In Spirit and Truth. 